0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Optus Sport Football Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Phil Kitromelidis and also European football expert Julian Laron. Now let's start with this. Play was halted during Borussia Dortmund's win over Cologne this weekend when fans threw chocolate coins onto the pitch in protest against an investment proposal by the German Football Association. Tell you what, the Germans are always very, very clever in their protests, I have to say. I do rate that a lot. But what I want to know is, what's the best or the funniest fan protest you've seen? Or have you ever taken part in one, guys?
1: Well, I'm 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 lucky that I am a I'm a fan of uh, Rayo Vallecano here in Spain, and they have some of the most creative um, ultras in uh, in in European football, I would say. So I remember once this was a oof, maybe about four, five, six years ago. I can't remember. It was a freezing night at the Estadio de Vallecas. The game kicks off. I think it's a pretty low low key affair. I think it was against Valladolid right? So not not box office. Um, but the uh, if you've ever been to the Estadio de Villecas, you will know, or if you've ever seen it on TV, that behind the goal, uh, there is a stand that is occupied by the Bucaneros, by the, by the Ultras. That stand was basically empty as this game kicked off. And I was thinking, what's going on here? And then out comes a coffin, somebody carrying a coffin and there's someone dressed as a priest, and then they put up a sign and they are burying modern football. And there's a sign saying business and scheduling uh, have killed him off, RIP. And it was a protest against modern football. It was all like a sort of a performance. It was m- much more entertaining than the game itself. And we're just sitting there watching this for about 15 minutes. It was almost like a little like a little play, like a little performance. So that was quite creative. And also very quickly, Rio, I think this was uh, maybe 18 months ago. Uh, um, Rayo, the ultras don't get on with the uh, with the president and the president likes to antagonize the the ultras. And there's nothing more that he can do to antagonize Rayo's left wing, politically left wing uh, leaning ultras than invite the leaders of the far right Spanish party, Vox, to a game in the presidential suite. So what did the Bucaneros do the day after this had happened? They, they, they can't do anything to, to stop it. But what they did is they all dressed in um, uh, how can I put this? Uh, what, what do you put like a, a suit on when you have to deal with like nuclear radioactive waste? They put those suits on. Ha- hazma,
0: they- hazma suit, isn't it? Hazmat suit. Yeah. That's they, it.
1: they all, about five or six of them turned up at the stadium and started pretending to clean the stadium <laughs> <laughs> because it had been infected in their views uh, by the, uh, the far right uh, uh, party who had been uh, invited there. So those are a couple of uh, creative Uh, protests from uh, Ryo's uh, Ultras who are, like I said, they are pretty creative when it comes to protests.
0: I like that. That's very good. Creativity is always a winner when it comes to fans. Um, I mean, obviously, other than the Christmas costumes that we see over in the UK, I don't think there's a lot happening. But I remember one time at Middlesbrough, uh, it was 2005-2006 seasons. It was a season, actually, we got to the the, uh, UEFA Cup final with Middlesbrough. But it was in February of 2006, we played a home game against Aston Villa. And yes, we were atrocious. We lost 4-0. <laughs> Bearing in mind, a couple of days beforehand, we beat Sunderland, our biggest, one of our biggest rivals in the Northeast, right? So it was a big, mm-hmm. big win that. Four, a couple of days later, we play Villa. We lose 4-0 at home. Terrible. A fan, lifelong Borough fan. Um, and I read an interview afterwards, and, and he, he, he kind of tried to explain what was going through his head at the moment. But he ran onto the field or ra- and ran down the side of the touchline and threw his season ticket at Steve McLaren. And then got dragged off. And it was a bit, he was like, it was in protest of how badly we played and the selections that Steve McLaren had made apparently on the day. And he just said like, I, I don't know what come over me. I let the emotions get the best of me. And then he went on this story about how he's a lifelong Borough fan and everything else. And the happy ending to it all was um, that uh, Steve Gibson, the chairman of Middlesbrough, didn't ban him for life. He allowed him back into the stadium afterwards uh, once he apologised and kind of like came back down to Worth. So, yeah, that's as bad as a creative as I got. But it was a pretty big moment, you know, when anyone fan runs onto a pitch and run, certainly runs towards the bench or a manager, people get a little bit edgy and think, what's going to happen next? But it was all okay. It was all cool. Um, let's move on to uh, Bournemouth against Liverpool. I mean, not a result. That I don't think many of us probably thought would be so convincing. Bournemouth beating Liverpool sorry, Bournemouth losing at home to Liverpool. Bournemouth are in really good form or have been in really good form. And Doni Areola have been has been a remarkable job there,
2: Jules. Did you see this 4-0 coming? As comfortable as it seems? No, not really. I thought the first half was really even, to be fair, that both team played uh so cancelled each other out uh, and that's credit to Bournemouth because Liverpool are also a team in good form. They're, they're leading the Premier League right now. They're, they've been great even if they haven't been playing at their best. I think there's still room for improvement in the way they, f- they play the game. It was still a, a big game for Bournemouth and for Bournemouth to go half-time nil-nil with probably having the best chance of that first half and limiting Liverpool to, to not much really in terms of creativity and chances and opportunities. I thought that was really good and then the second half... That first goal, especially because, and some, sometimes we know we talk about a small margin in football, which is true. It, it might sound a bit of a cliche, but that first goal from Liverpool comes from a clearance from Konate, really, mm. that actually transforms itself into an amazing pass for Curtis Jones, who chased his ball down, then plays. On his second touch to Jota, plays one touch to Darwin, who has one touch finish. But Konati's clearance can go literally anywhere, on the motorway, behind the stadium, in the stands. And no, he pinpoints onto Curtis Jones' chest. And yeah, then the quality is there from Jones to Jota to Darwin. But that's how the game changed, really. And after that, Liverpool, once they got into the lead, were, were really, really good. And Jota and Darwin were, I thought, outstanding.
1: I think a couple of uh, weeks ago we were talking about how Mo Salah's uh, absence was was or wasn't going to affect uh, Liverpool. And uh, producer Elliot, I think, uh, gave the, uh, the name of the podcast was Mo Salah No Problems. Mo Salah no problems (laughs) but I I, I like that because I think our our essential conclusion was we think that Liverpool are going to be okay without Mo Salah because they've got players uh, that can come in and Diego Jota has shown himself to be a player who's got the capacity of finishing that I'm not sure many people in the Liverpool squad have or maybe in in, any squad in, in in the Premier League have he's such a good finisher and um I was looking at this, and in the half time table, so if matches lasted forty five minutes Liverpool would be sixth, so they've got this capacity to turn things on after um after half time and I think it's not just a fitness issue, i don't think it's even a mental issue. We also spoke about this as well, and the goals that they've had from substitutes this season as well uh, have been um have been numerous. So I think there was strength in depth uh, to cover the the, the, the absence of, of Mo Salah. And we're seeing that now. And you asked, Mark, did anyone see this coming, this 4-0? I think nobody saw this coming at half-time either because that first half was not great. I mean, Jules yeah. said they cancelled each other. I wish they did. But it really wasn't much of a spectacle. There wasn't much going on. I didn't see uh, Liverpool going on to to, to, to you know, romp to a 4-0 win. But credit to them. And Darwin Nunez, again, we've spoken about him on the podcast, that he is just this all-round... Tremendous player, apart from the small thing of being clinical in front of goal and actually scoring goals. So when that clicks and when that happens, he's going to be a hell of a player. Mm. And we saw a glimpse of that, didn't we, um, uh, against Bournemouth? And uh, yeah, it's it's really quite positive for Liverpool at the moment.
0: I mean, Darwin Nunes, you talked about him there. He's scored 10 goals and 10 assists this season. Only Gerard Suarez and Salah have done it faster for Liverpool. So... That in itself, for the criticism he's received, I mean, that's pretty remarkable for a, for a player in a Liverpool side. And Jules, and more importantly, he's in your fantasy football team.
2: <laughs> Get in, come on, and Jota. I brought Jota in as well. It was Darwin time and Jota time for me on Sunday. It was sweet to watch. I, I think I understand the criticism, and I think the three of us on the show have have, have been critical of of his lack of efficiency before and. Even if he's in the right position and, and has those chances, which is probably the most important, you would still want him to be more clinical. But yeah. if you look again at the underlying stats in terms of expected goals and expected assists, it's one per game for Darwin Nunes, which is, which not, not many people I think in the Premier League do anyway. So it's, he's been outstanding. And yeah, of course, he should have had more goals already. But, and even to be fair, the first one, I don't know why you thought it because I think NATO, not, not to touches the ball. Uh, even his first finish, one-touch one finish after the Jota pass, it's not that great, to be fair, and the keeper could have saved it and actually touched the ball. But at least this time, he scored that one. The second one, again, I think when he doesn't have to think, as we saw in the second goal, the cross comes and he goes on to with his the outside of his right foot, which really anybody, any other striker would have gone inside of the left foot because the ball was coming from the right hand side. No, not Darwin. Darwin doesn't do anything like other strikers. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just love that from him. And I, I agree with Phil. I, I really hope that he gets a little bit more clinical because I think he deserves more credit than what he gets. Yeah, definitely. And another player is uh, Dugo Josa. A player that, I i
0: mean, I certainly raised my eyebrows when Liverpool paid so much money for him from Wolves. I didn't think that he would have as much of an influence as he's had at Liverpool. Three goals and four assists in five matches since he's come back from injury. Is he kind of like one of those players that flies under the radar a little bit, Phil? Like, are we underestimating how good a player he actually is?
1: Well, you just, you just sort of... Said it there, didn't you? You know, you 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 thought the money that was spent on him was 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 too much, and I think a lot of people would have also raised their eyebrows at, at that kind of figure. But you know, he's 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 young. He's coming into his prime now as well. He's only twenty seven, Diego Jota, and and I, I think the 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 level of innate finishing that he has is something that is actually quite difficult to to find in in amongst strikers. Someone who is that good and that clinical and and seems to be in the right place and knows what kind of finish to produce in each moment. Um, I, I, I like him a lot and obviously with Salah out, he's going to get more minutes. He's going to be more important and uh, we've seen that. So yeah, seven league goals this season, which is a, a decent return from 15 appearances, but he's going to be starting uh, more games now and he's going to give uh, Jurgen Klopp... Okay, I don't know if it's going to be a nice problem if, if Salah comes back because I don't think it's necessarily a straight swap between the two of them, but if you've got... If you've got Diego Jota in good form, you don't necessarily need to uh, rush Salah back. Uh, obviously, Salah's injured at the moment at, at Afcon, so we don't know what kind of state he's going to come back in when he comes back. So, yeah, I think it's 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 really positive the form that we've seen from him, and maybe he is a little bit underrated. Maybe he is, and maybe we should start rating him and talking him about talking him up on the on the podcast. And obviously, Jules has got him in the. In his FPL team, yes, um, I might, I might make a couple of changes. <laughs> I took Nunes out, man. I took no, you Nunes. didn't. I did, I did. Oh, yeah. yeah, this is why this game, man. This is why this stupid game just ruins everything because you do that, <laughs> and it just ruins everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So quickly, <laughs> Liverpool,
0: painful. Liverpool. Are we, are we kind of say that? I mean, Liverpool are there or thereabouts, right? But are they probably the biggest contender or
2: biggest rival to Man City for the title, Jules. Yeah, 100%. I think with Arsenal, even with the 5 points gap, but they, they're top and we've said they they will play better even. And mm. when you think that Trent is not there right now, he's injured. Sobozla is injured. Mo Salah is, is at AFCON, but also injured. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And the, 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 that depth of squad that Phil talked about, that we talked about before, being able to bring on after the hour mark, which is club does, uh, Gravenberg or Jota when he's on the bench. Or Gakpo, Gakpo. yesterday, yeah, for yeah, example, yeah. yeah, who had a good yeah. impact too on the game, uh, is is amazing, really. And only Pep and City have that kind of opportunities and an ability to do. Arteta doesn't have that, um, you know. Other other top clubs like Aston Villa, Unai Emery doesn't really have that much either. So I think it's really good, yeah. Them and City with Arsenal somewhere there, maybe feels Spurs too can can push a little bit, Villa too. But I still think that right now Liverpool and City are way above everybody else. Easy,
0: Jules. Don't get. Don't say that about Spurs, because Phil will get very, very excited about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he should. <laughs> it doesn't take much. It doesn't take. Much. I know it doesn't. Um, I want to talk about Ivan Tony's obviously long-awaited return. What eight and a half, nine months out, due to a suspension. Um, I mean, what could he have written the script any better? Um, obviously, Thomas Frank made him captain as well, so made him feel welcome, made him feel loved, got back, and of course he's got to score, right? Phil, he's going to have to score on his game back and all the hype leading up to the game.
1: And he did. And it was a tremendous goal as well. And it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just, you know, us, the press that were hyping his return. I mean, the club themselves, did you see the light show that they yeah. did before and the way that they announced him that <laughs> people are saying, it's like something out of WWE wrestling. It really felt like a really so true. big, uh, like a big, big, um, occasion. And, uh, Listen, we've, we've, we've spoke about Ivan Tony being out and when he comes back, the impact that he's going to have. And we were interested to see what kind of shape he's in, both mentally and physically, because he's been, uh, been out for uh, a long time and it's kind of. It's kind of a unique situation because it's not like he's been out injured for eight months. He's been available but not available, so he's been physically okay, but he hasn't been able to play. So he's been playing in friendlies behind closed doors. Uh, he's been keeping himself in shape. He's been training and um, making sure that he's ready when the day comes. And whoa, he was he was really ready. And obviously, Brentford are going to benefit from him, not just his goals, but it's just a it's just a morale boost, isn't it? Like our best player is back. He's just going to elevate. Everyone around them. And yeah, OK, you know, this uh, this game, it, it maybe could have gone you know, um, other ways. They, they, they won 3-2 and um, it wasn't a, uh, a tonking. You know, they didn't win five or six nil and Tony didn't score a hat trick. But he came, he scored and I feel like he did just he was involved in the, in the, in the other goals as well. And he's just going to elevate them. And he is a big, big reason now why Brentford should be feeling positive when it comes to uh, the relegation battle that they definitely have found themselves in.
2: Um, I, I saw Frank Onieka saying something before, before the game that Tony would be like Eric, their Eric Cantona when Cantona came back from his eight month ban with United after the, the Kung Fu Kicker Palace. And he scored, if you remember on the penalty that game. Okay. Let's, let's behave here. Onyeka. you know, right? we love it. Ivan Tony is not Eric Cantona, of course, but you're right. Both of you, there was a sense, a feeling even before the game started when we watched on television that something would happen. that he scored. I kind of wish. He scored a proper goal and we're going to come back into, we're going to come to the controversy. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but, but, but for him to score on his return at home, for them to win finally, because they've, they've had a really tough season so far, I think was overall a really good thing. Go on, explain. What, what's a proper Why goal? Why wasn't it a proper goal? Yeah, <laughs> because, so, the issue I have, and I, like, I really like Ivan Tony. The, the referee now with a spray, which is different to when you towards was playing because there was no the spray. Now we had spray, spray as
0: well, for- all right? Don't say I'm that old, right? We did have spray <laughs> towards okay. right? When Go- you
2: started, when you started all those years ago, you didn't have the spray. <laughs> the spray is there for one reason and one reason only. Right? One, one double reason, which is this is where the ball should be and nowhere else, right? And then from, from where the spray is for the ball, this is where the wall should be at the right distance and no arrest. The, 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 the wall can't move forwards, I mean, you know, or, or anything like that. And the ball has to stay where the referee has put the, uh, the, um, the paint, really. Yeah, the mark. Uh, yeah. yeah. The mark. For, for Tony to move the ball, and even after on on here in the UK, he said, "Well, you're allowed to move the ball half a yard on the right on the no." You know, no, you know, this is he made that up completely. That was complete BS. And I've got a big issue in him moving the ball, and then he, him even like um, sort of rub, rubbing the, uh, the the spray, phone. so so the you phone, could yeah. not see it anymore. And I think this one is on the referee. Good on Tony for trying it, but the referee should have never allowed it. Should have seen it and should have made him move the ball back to where it was in the first place.
0: You said it. It's the referee. It's not Ivan Tony. Players will do it. Every player will not not every yeah, player, no, no, a lot of players will try and bend the rules uh, and do it. So uh, if the if the ref misses it, then the VAR's got to intervene, I guess, right? Well, yeah. I mean there's goal it? scoring it's a goal scoring yeah. incident. So it yeah. Scored,
1: literally scored from it,
0: yeah. That's right. So yeah, I mean you're right there. So you're blaming so Phil, you're <laughs> blaming VAR.
1: No, so you I want think VAR it- out now. I think it's fine. i, I, I like I, I'm not. I, I wasn't watching this game live, and then I went back and saw the extended highlights. And this was I was expecting something super egregious, and he just moved it a little bit to the right, like literally. Yeah, but it is cheeky. It, oh, is cheeky. it is cheeky. Oh. It is okay, what is cheeky. cheeky? What is cheeky is what he does with the paint. That's very yeah, cheeky. That's yeah. that's sly. Just moving the ball a little bit to the right is not. It's not like it's not huge, is it? I mean,
2: no, I don't know I because mean, Shorty, as a goalkeeper, you would place your wall where the ball is, right? Yeah. Yeah. on purpose. So if the ball moves, then the wall is in the wrong position naturally.
0: But I don't understand the time because he was, I, I know his timing was he waits until the goalkeeper set the wall and move. When I was doing it, not every single time, but I tried to make sure that I watched the ball every time. So even after I set my wall, I was constantly going, right, what's happening? Who's moving? What's doing? Because it's happened. It's not the first time anyone's moved the ball. It's something that people have done for forever. So, yeah. and I always also said, I always got one of my players, I'd get one player to stand on the ball until I set the wall up. He'd get him yeah. to stand there, and make sure that nothing else could happen. And if he starts moving the ball, that's that player's responsibility. You go, ref, ref, he's moving the ball. So I think there was a lot of things that he didn't have a fail safe in place that would help prevent um, the player moving the ball as much as Ivan Tony did. And then it was all the players in the wall, nobody's paying attention, nobody's mm-hmm. looking. At the free kick, so mm-hmm. I—that's I, I, where—that's where I kind of go. Yeah, look, it's—it's it's poor from Forest, very poor. But the referee and the officials should have got that one right and should have been on top of it, but they didn't. So that just reminds me, World Cup, Women's World Cup. I mean, Jules, I want to bring this up, right? Alana Kennedy for Australia against France ah. moved the ball and moved the 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 foam as well. I mean, everyone loved it in Australia. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I know. I remember. I know. <laughs>
2: I know. So did you. <laughs> I think I think Phil is right in the sense that, and you say it, you as well. You can try it as a player, of course. You try to get again, those small, small margins, small advantage for you and your team. I get it. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just not happy with the referee and VAR letting that go. And also, Callum Hudson-Odoi. I mean, why is he? He's not in the wall. You see, you see him, he's by the wall. He hardly lifts his leg when the free kick is taken. But he should have been the one seeing that the ball had moved, maybe joined the wall, even even if his goalkeeper hadn't told him. Uh, so overall, I guess, well done, Tony, even if I don't like that because he's cheating. It's, but, it's not but, a proper but, goal. Yeah. It's not a proper goal, you know. But, but it's still a goal that I think was very important for him and obviously overall for Brentford. But I can understand why Forrest are so unhappy and you know, he put a to to the Premier League for, for how the goal happened. I, I think it's more importantly to point out that I get now why, I
0: totally get why Forrest are unhappy about the decision because of VAR. If VAR had not been in place, mm. then it's totally, like, it's okay. Then you kind of sort of point fingers at players and go, why weren't you watching? Why didn't you check again? Whatever it is. But the fact that VAR is there, it's a goal-scoring opportunity and they don't overrule on it, that's a bit bizarre for me. I, I Maybe they missed it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, that happens, right? Could have missed it, but yeah, disappointing. And I think that's the that's the letdown. Um, like I said, players will always try and try and bend the rules, and Ivan Tony did it perfectly, and the fairy tale was created, which is pretty amazing. One fairy tale that is actually pitying out, pitying out very badly, and looking like it's a very unhappy place at the moment is Crystal Palace. Roy Hodgson is my old manager, is under a lot of pressure. Fans are unhappy they got an absolute walloping at the Emirates. Um, outplayed, never really set up uh, in a way that they were trying to get a result, seemingly. or they certainly wanted to hit us on the counter and it backfired hugely, Phil, didn't it?
1: It did. And it was um, the kind of performance that I think everybody was expecting from this Palace side. And certainly the Palace fans were expecting it, uh, the ones that had travelled to the Emirates, because I know we're going to uh, touch upon this, but the fact that they they brought a banner, they held up a banner which mm-hmm. said, wasted potential on and off the pitch, weak decisions taking us backwards. The fact that they went there, they made it, they brought it with them to the stadium to show in this game, meant that they also basically had no hope. In, like, You're not going to go and hold that banner up if you're sort of 3-0 up at the Emirates and playing brilliant football, are you? But they kind of expected what we saw out on the pitch. And I guess, yeah, they were in some way kind of like vindicated with bringing that banner because, yeah, it does it does feel like that.
0: But Jules, they've got the they've got the, the ability to do that, Palace. The players that they have, some of the talented players that they have, they could have had, they've yeah. got the ability, in my opinion, to go to the Emirates and be 3-0 up.
2: Yeah, I mean, they had players missing. So Jordan Ayew is away uh, with Ghana, of course, Afcon, no Michael Olize, which I think is a massive loss. He's their best player. And I think especially for, for Eze, when Olise plays, I think there's a bit more freedom for Eze, which was not the case the week at the weekend. I, This is a team that went to Old Trafford and won against United in the league, by the way, that went to the Etihad and drew away with City when they were 2 nil down. And okay, maybe City took the eye of the ball a little bit and and, and took the win for granted, but they still went to City and got a point. Hmm. So they 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 yeah. are capable, I guess. Yeah, you're right of doing things like that. However, I I don't think Rohatyn should be still managing in the Premier League. I really don't. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but in, here in the UK, the game was on on TNT, and Rio Ferdinand before the game said to him, "Why are you here? Why are you not on the beach? You know, drinking pina colada and enjoying." your retirement at 76 years old, really. And, and Roy said, well, I love, I love football so much. Okay, we all love football, Roy. But there's a point where, you know, you have to do something else because I really think, and I like him a lot. And I know, Shos, you like him a lot. It's, not, it's nothing to do with Roy. It's just, I think there's a point where, as a, as a, as a coach, you can't just take a team like this forward. You don't, can't take this club forward. And I don't think you should have had a new deal at the end of last season. He came in, did a good job, although Patrick Vieira was sacked after playing seven of the top nine teams in the league at that time and not winning any of those games. And then Roy had some easier fixtures, of course, because Patrick just played the best teams in the country. But still, I, I, he did a good job. I just think that he should have stopped then, in May, and then they, they should have started a new cycle, a new era with a different manager, younger, with different ideas. Roy was never going to inspire this, this, this squad, these fans and this club. And I think they're going to stay up because there are three teams worse than them. But really, I, I just don't think that from a Crystal Palace point of view, what the ownership did by keeping Roy Hudson for another season was the right mm. thing to do.
1: I think that's what really annoyed fans, isn't it? That's what mm. got them really sort of disappointed. Like, but how could you give this guy another? He's, he's yeah. 75 when they gave him the, 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 the contract extension. It just doesn't, doesn't really seem to make sense. But yeah, we'll see.
0: Um, will they survive, Phil?
1: Yeah, they will, because as Jules said, I think there are three worst teams and who knows what's going to happen in terms of further points deduction, because I think, uh, you know, Everton and and, and Nottingham Forest are potentially looking uh, pretty, pretty nervous. So, yeah, I think uh, and they've got a five point cushion at the moment. Okay, it's not loads, but, you know, it is it is something, especially when teams down the bottom don't tend to win that much. So, yeah, I think they will survive. But it's just, yeah, this 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 sense of wasted potential with they've really got some good players at this palace side and they've got some good team good players that can you know play play a bit more play a bit more um expansively and and, and give the fans i think what they uh what they want they've got terrific fans by the way palace been yeah. really really impressed by palace fans and they've really sort of built a a sense of identity and community since coming back into the uh, into the premier league and um think they deserve uh deserve a little bit more so let's see who 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 replaces roy hodgson because it doesn't feel like his um, his place is tenable at the moment suggestion steve cooper uh, could be uh, could be coming in so we'll see if that decision is taken uh, sooner rather than later because they've got a bit of a gap now haven't they to their uh, to their next game so i think it's over a week until they mm. uh, play it's eight or nine days so um maybe that could be a good chance for someone else to come in and and put some new ideas into place.
0: Graham Potter was uh, pictured at the stadium as well. So there was <laughs> some talk. I don't yeah. think he's there yeah. for Arsenal, is he? Um, so be interesting <laughs> to see. But obviously just keeping an eye on, on Premier League fixtures. Look, I hope, obviously, it all ends well for Roy. Uh, but at the moment, it is a bit of a, a, a disastrous position that they find themselves in. They've only won one game in the last 12 in all competitions. So, yeah, can understand the criticism. And I feel for him, 76 years old. Wow. That, I, I don't. that
1: seems like quite a harsh qu- question from Rio Ferdinand, that why are you here? I know. I
0: know. <laughs> why are you yeah. here? I know. Yeah. But it, yeah. but it's a, it is a good question because you sit there and you think, just think about it now, 76 years old. What do most 76-year-old people do these days? Like, I mean, and it's not to say that that's what you should be doing, right? But um, the enthusiasm has always been there with Roy. I, I, I know from when I was with him um, – everybody who spoke to him ever came away and spoke to me about it afterwards and said like the guy's enthusiasm for football life for football really? is immense yeah. and it's infectious. Really? And he will, he will, he will he'll, he'll, uh, he'll speak from the heart. He'll tell you everything he knows. He's knowledgeable. He, he loves people coming to training and watching the sessions. He loves talking about football. Um, That is his life. So I I get it. And it's not his fault. It's not his fault. He's been given an opportunity. He's taken it. And I just hope it ends well, you know, and, and, and people remember yeah. Roy Hodgson for, for the fantastic job he's done throughout his career. So let's move on. The WSL has finally returned after the winter break, so it's time we welcome Narelle and Ash back to the podcast to talk you through the action this weekend.
3: Well, Schwartz, the WSL has returned with a bit of a bang, has an ash. The million dollar question was, how would Chelsea go without Sam Kerr for the rest of the season? Safe to say, they'll be just fine thanks to Lauren James.
4: Yeah, a good test, like straight off the back, is to play another top four contender with Manchester United, but they had no problems. And I tell you what, Lauren James looks more and more like a superstar every time we see her play, doesn't she? She looks like it's effortless, she's gliding across the park. And, you know, obviously key for them scoring three goals in the win today against her old team.
3: Yeah, I think she'll really relish having that extra pressure and responsibility on her now that Sam Kerr's no longer there. But talking about individual brilliance across the weekend, Bunny Shaw for Manchester City, who are leading the chase on league leaders, Chelsea, her third hat trick in four games. <laughs> it's
4: pretty incredible, isn't it? Like and no wonder Mary Fowler sort of dropped out of that starting lineup as as Khadisha Shaw's come back into things. You know, you score, goal scoring rate like that is pretty impressive and she's just clinical in the box, isn't she?
3: Yeah, the big team's really making a big statement this weekend. Arsenal also got the win and now we're seeing the top three are slowly pulling away on the table.
4: Yeah, what are you saying? It's six points between them and then the next... The chasing little... pack, yeah, yeah, so like the fourth, fifth. Yeah, those yeah. teams
3: are really getting a bit far now. I
4: think at the start of the season we were talking about the league being closer than ever, like some of those teams, like Liverpool, were catching up with the, with the top teams. But sort of just before Christmas, after Christmas, I think we're starting to see a bigger gap sort of spread between the top three teams and probably the rest of the league, especially in terms of quality, when you see them come up against each other, uh, you know, you start seeing that gap. And I think we may start seeing more like score lines like the Man City, Liverpool one from this morning.
3: And how crucial is recruitment going to be? We've seen a couple of moves already. Katrina gory has gone to West Ham, Charlie Grant's gone to Tottenham and West Ham, they have been struggling and both of those sides were actually in action this morning and it was really entertaining, but you just maybe get the sense that West Ham will feel a little bit hard done by coming away with the loss there.
4: Yeah, you know, the two busiest clubs in the transfer window came up against each other and West Ham didn't see that pay off. And they did kind of, I mean, they were very competitive with Tottenham, who have been impressive in their own right. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, they fell victim to what I thought was a pretty poor call on one of the goals um, for Tottenham to sort of win it.
3: Yeah, so talk us through that. How did you see that?
4: <clears throat> yeah, well, it looked like, you know, the the player running back who was in an offside position sort of blocked Mackenzie Arnold's vision as she's trying to as the shot's coming in so you know she's not getting in her way physically but she can't see where the shot's coming from at all and that's where you know taking advantage of your offside positions you know means that that goal I think shouldn't have counted at all.
3: And then there's another debate about not having VAR, they need yeah. it,
4: do, do they not, it's, oh, it's a whole... Depends on how much you like VAR right? <laughs> like true. But I, I think that one was pretty clear cut like between the referee and the linesman they should have been able to work out that you know yes she was probably impeded there so you know, I, I don't think you need VAR to make that call correctly.
3: Yeah, Schwartzy, I'm sure you and the Keepers Union have McKenzie's back on that one.
0: Absolutely. It was um, an infringement. And McKenzie Arnold had no chance to see the ball. I've seen it on numerous angles. I was working on the game actually yesterday and um, she clearly couldn't see the ball. The referee was positioned to the left-hand side if you're facing the goal, left-hand side of the of, of the goal. The Lions woman obviously has put a flag up for offside, but... She can't see if his interference, but for me, it's a clear interference and the goal should have been uh, ruled out. And that was the game changer. That was 3-1 uh, for Tottenham and they were in cruise control. West Ham did implode a little bit, um, but I feel for Mackenzie Arnold. I'm surprised she didn't get a little bit angrier than she actually did. Um, but yeah, it was a tough day at the office for her and a bit of disappointment for them. And that was the game changer uh, for West Ham yesterday, even though their stat is remarkable. If you look at their stat um, – up until before yesterday's game, of the forty times, last forty times they've gone behind in a game, they've not won one single game. They've not come back and and, and won a game. There's something like they lost thirty three of those games, um, and just add another one to that after yesterday's loss to Tottenham. So, not looking good for West Ham at this moment in time. But I still think they have enough to keep them in the WSL this season. If you want to hear more about all the WSL action at the weekend, then the women's football wrap is now on the Optus Sport app. Next up, we're going to chat La Liga. But first, here's what you've got to look forward to on Optus Sport in February.
4: It's a massive month ahead. February on Optus Sport. Feb
0: 5, total blockbuster. Arsenal-Liverpool. Feb 7 and 8, quarterfinals of the men's dfb Pokal. Feb 11, the top two go toe-to-toe. Real madrid Girona. Feb 12, can the Hammers upset Arsenal again? And Villa out to break their Man United hoodoo.
4: Feb 18 and
0: 19, City-Chelsea twice. Replay of the 4-4 thriller, then a top-of-the-table clash.
2: Feb 24, it's Anger's turn to take on Chelsea. All ring February on Optus Sport.
0: So La Liga this weekend, Phil, what's happening? You've yes. changed. You went to two games this weekend in the stadium's Two live. games! What's going on?
1: Can you stop it? Oh, can you stop this? <laughs> Every week I get sick. I missed one game. All right, yeah, five months ago, I missed one game. It wasn't just one game, though, was it? All right, I missed the Madrid derby. Yeah, exactly.
0: So yeah. so you're going right. to have to suck it up, mate. Go on. So you went to Rayo Raicano right. against Las Palmas. I mean, it didn't really go to plan, did it?
1: Uh, not if you're a Rayo Vallecano season ticket holder like I am. No, they lost 2-0 and there's a great phrase in Spanish which I'll try and translate for you. It's like, we couldn't score a goal in a rainbow. So imagine a rainbow is the goal. It's, they're pretty big rainbows. We couldn't score a goal in a rainbow and that is uh, uh, pretty applicable to uh, Rayo who had loads of chances but um, weren't able to take any of them. A quick shout out to Las Palmas by the way. I've written my column this week for Optum Sport about them because they're a really interesting team. They're Eighth in the table, they're a point off potentially a uh, European football. They came up from the Segunda uh, last season, and they've got a really interesting style of play as well. They're managed by uh, Francisco Garcia Pimienta, uh, who was uh, formerly in the Barcelona. Uh, youth academy for 20 years so he coached there under 12s 13s 14s 50s right up to barca b then a couple of seasons ago went away and uh, took las palmas up to the uh, primera division possession-based football um really uh quick to get the ball back really loads of high intensity sprints to recover possession they recover possession high up the pitch and yeah it's it's pretty clear that if you've got a plan and you understand what your manager wants to do and you practice it and you execute it uh, that's that's you know um you, you've got a half of the battle one, I think. And they came up last season uh, from the Segunda with a squad which had basically zero La Liga experience. None of these players have played in La Liga before and now they're eighth and they're doing really, really well. So, yeah, shout out to Las Palmas, um, who have got the second best defensive record as well. They defend with the ball. Remember what Barcelona used to do? They used to have really good defensive numbers because they had the ball all the time. Um, Las Palmas do something similar as well. And they've got a tremendous goalkeeper in Álvaro Valles, who's been one of the best in in La Liga. So, yeah, there we go. Shout out to Las Palmas, even though it hurts because Raya really should have won that game, but they didn't.
0: Um, your second game was a bit more entertaining, wasn't it? I mean, Real Madrid generally put on a good show, right? There's generally something going on. Like, it's wow. like, whether it's a football yeah. or something else, there's always some I, entertainment coming out of Madrid, right? I tell you what, um, this, the, I mean, Real
1: Madrid against Almeria. So Almeria are bottom of the table. They've got six points all season. They're statistically on course to be the worst team in the history of La Liga. And yet they were 2-0 up at halftime against Real Madrid. A Real Madrid side who looks so... They looked exhausted. They looked lethargic. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti didn't really uh, rotate his squad much at all. Uh, so it was uh, a lot of the players that had started uh, against Atletico Madrid and went to extra time on Thursday night in the Cup. They just weren't at it at all. This was a controversial game, Schwarzscher Jules. Yeah. And Jules, I know you were, you were watching because there were, um, there were quite a few decisions that went Real Madrid's way uh, in terms of uh, Three decisions, in fact, three key decisions that went uh, Real Madrid's way. First, they got a penalty. Uh, from uh, from VAR, uh, which got them back into the game, 2-1. Jude Bellingham, by the way, scoring the penalty. Real Madrid had missed all their penalties this season. They'd missed four penalties this season. Modric, Rosselló, Vinícius, Rodrigo, they'd all missed. Upsteps Jude, so it's 2-1. Then they go and score a third goal, Almeria. Extraordinary, unbelievable scenes. They're 3-1 up, but that gets cancelled out for a previous foul on Jude Bellingham, which VAR calls the referee to see. Was it? Probably. But the thing is, well, maybe, but the thing is the referee was literally two meters in front of what happened. He saw it. He didn't think it was a foul. I mean, and it does feel like the games are being re-refereed a little bit. But,
0: but Jules, on the continent as well, those sort of things get, you know, get brought up more quickly than anywhere else. I feel like, I mean, it ha- don't get me wrong. I think it's a foul. I think it happens in England as well. But generally speaking, yeah. I find it certainly when we, see, when we see European football, though, there's a lot more fouls for simple hands in the face, anything like that.
2: Yeah, maybe. And I mean, you see Lopi, uh, who is a really good player, by the way. But, yeah. But very, very powerful guy. And Jude is trying to defend and he's protecting the ball. And yeah, he moves his arm. But I don't think there's any intention. I think the, the foul is right. Uh, but there's no intention from Lopi really to do anything apart from protecting the ball. So it's always a bit hard. I mean, very often in those cases, I find it harsh. Just to go back on what Phil said, for me, the penalty, the, the penalty that really brought Real Madrid back into the game and it's quite early in the second half, there's clearly a Jose foul. In, on the cross in that move, that I think just meant that it should not have been a pen for, for Real Madrid.
1: Mm-hmm. So we've got two controversial decisions. So we've got the penalty, which was controversial, and then we've got Jude Bellingham being fouled in the build up, which, okay, maybe less controversial, but still people are questioning it. Then the equaliser for Real Madrid, they made it 2 2 with Vinicius. This is the key one mm. because it looks like very much Vinicius. Uses his arm to put the ball into the back of the net, but the referee is called and says, "Come and have a look. It's not a handball. It comes off his shoulder." And he's shown a take where it sort of from behind, where it looks like it does come off his shoulder. He is not shown the close-up take that there is, where it really does look like it comes off his arm. The goal is given, and uh, I can tell you, all hell has broken loose (laughs) in the Spanish media about that goal.
2: Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was um, on on the first replay that I got on. La Liga TV coverage, which is what I watch, uh, and and I just thought it was pretty clear. I agree with Phil. It, it looked like certainly from watching on television that they were showing the referee an angle that seems to seems to be in favor of Real Madrid in the sense that it, on that on that angle it looked like it was the shoulder, but I just thought that it was it was a handball, and I even think that Vinicius moves his arm towards it to almost score like that. So. Okay, he bounces off you and goes in and you, you, there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe it's different, but it feels like Vinicius could not hit the ball. The only thing he could do was try to move his body and make contact with whatever um, position of his body really placed on his body. So I, for me, this was, was really like a, a, a massive, massive mistake. And I think, that it, I know, in the people, just, just don't forget, I may have never won a game this season. They have never won a game this season. And that's how they lose this one when they were 2 0 up at half time. It's, it's just crazy. Um,
0: there was a sending off in the game, wasn't there? So the manager from Almeria, uh, Garitano, was sent off for his protest. I mean, he, I saw him on the sideline. He was going absolutely bananas, particularly, <laughs> when, particularly when Real Madrid uh, obviously were getting themselves back in the game. And there was, uh, Almeria scored the third, got, got cancelled. He just took his jacket off, threw it. And then, obviously, said some kind words to the fourth official and the referee. Um, you can understand, though, in Madrid, the pressure the referees must be on Phil. It must be at a different level. It's like it's like in Barcelona, right? So it's just it's traditional wherever you are. It's the big clubs, right? There is huge amount of pressure.
1: Do you want to know something funny and something ironic? So Real Madrid have their own TV channel called Real Madrid TV. I used to work there for nine years on the English version, not the Spanish version. You don't have to keep plugging it, mate. You
0: don't work for them anymore. Stop plugging it.
1: I don't. No, no, no. I'm I'm giving you the background because the English version is a bit more chill. The Spanish version is not chill at all. They are going for the referees. They do a video every single week before every single game about the referee that is going to referee their upcoming match about mistakes that he's made against Real Madrid in the past. They do that every single week. And one of the guys that they've done the most number of videos about, one of the guys that they really don't like at all is a guy called Senor hernandez Fernandez. So good, they named him twice. Well, he was in the VAR. He was in the VAR uh, yesterday at the Bernabéu. He's the one calling the referee to come and have a look, come and have a look. So in terms of Real Madrid potentially being favoured by the referee, which is what people what people are suggesting here. Well, that referee is the one that they really don't like on Real Madrid TV. So I think it just underlines that there is no conspiracy. Sometimes you get you know, decisions that go your way. Sometimes they don't. But yeah, I just thought that was quite amusing and quite ironic that someone who's been singled out for abuse from Real Madrid TV actually ended up doing them a bit of a favour. But yeah, that is a very questionable decision. And then in the 99th minute, uh, Jude Bellingham puts a lovely headed assist to the back post. Danny Carvajal um, pounces up and and scores and they've won 3-2 and they've kept their uh, title push going. And it was really quite an extraordinary afternoon at the Bernabeu. I was at the Bernabeu, by the way, and they had the roof closed. It was a beautiful day in Madrid, but they had the roof closed. I don't know why, actually. Um, But then maybe I do know because the noise, when the roof is closed, the acoustics are something else. And I hadn't been in there with the roof closed before. And it was pretty extraordinary when that final goal went in the noise. So maybe that's why they did
0: it. Maybe also they were just showing off and showed that the roof actually can close. We could do do this. this. We could do this. Yeah. They knew you were there for the first time and thought, you know what, we'll give him a special show today (laughs) because he normally doesn't come to games. He normally doesn't anymore. actually venture yeah. out of his
2: house, Jules. Is that not yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Not even the derbies. He doesn't turn up even for derby. I know. <laughs> I know.
0: Exactly. My point and taking. Absolutely. Um, Jules, I just want to quickly briefly go on to it. Jude Bellingham, he'd been in a bit of a rut, right? He'd gone five games without scoring a goal. I mean, it was Man. a crisis.
2: It was a cr- yeah let's not forget he's, scoring goal is not what he does there's a lot of other things that he well, can he do he doesn't very well he doesn't yeah, run Madrid, well and he's the La Liga top goal scoring with with Dovbeek uh, and deservedly so too but I mean okay he takes the penalty it's not even a good penalty by the way Phil no. mentioned the four that they missed before he could have well missed that one but I just liked every, all again the energy I saw him again in the in added time running chasing the ball you saw him at halftime being really unhappy and This is what he does. And what I love more than the goals of the assist is that energy and that kind of leadership that he gives to this team at 20 years old. After being there two minutes, I just think it's it's really remarkable.
1: Can I talk a little bit about that um about that energy because I was looking uh, at the uh, sort of advanced stats that I've got access to and um Jude Bellingham in terms of uh, his stats these are these are his stats right so goals he's 14 he's got more goals than anyone else sprints he's second in terms of the number of sprints shots on target he's third in the whole of the league for shots on target passes in the attacking zone he's first meters run at high speed he's third in the whole league average presses per game He's 10th out of every player in La Liga. He's 10th and runs into spaces per game. He's 18th but everyone above him out is a forward. Yep. So
0: his stats, are, it's not just the goals. Yeah, it's
1: agree. not just the goals. It's I'd like everything. to see, him, I'd like to see him improve path.
0: on that one a little bit, that, that running in and closing, you know, running into space. 18th well, is he, not, not good he enough. not He's and, pressing,
1: and... he's winning balls back. I, I'm just yeah. being a
0: little bit critical, of course. <laughs> anyway, next game I want to talk about is uh, Real Betis, who have had a fantastic uh, home record, uh, very difficult place to go and play football. Barcelona, Xavi, had to be under the most pressure he's been at since he's at Barcelona and they pulled off a a big result, really. I mean, played well, found themselves 2-2 again because the way that uh, uh, Betis came back in the game. How good a performance considering the circumstances and the response that was given to Xavi. I mean, he must be absolutely delighted for that.
1: It was a bit of a reverse of so what we're used to, because usually we see them um, play really badly in the first half and then just about get, get, get their act together in, in the second. Uh, here they were pretty good in the first half. They were 2-0 up, uh, two goals from Ferran Torres. And then they just switched off for three minutes in the second half. Isco scores two brilliant, Beautiful brilliant goal, goals. Yeah. Brilliant goals, obviously. Former Real Madrid player, Isco scoring two brilliant goals against Barcelona. Really well taken. And they're back in the game and the Benito Villamarin is one of the great stadiums in Europe. There were 60,000 people there when the second Isco goal is given because that went to VAR and it was given. The camera was literally shaking, trembling with the noise inside there because it was really quite extraordinary. But... um, Barca did it again and they've picked up so, so many points in the last uh, 15 minutes of matches this season. I think it's something like 26 points or 25 points they picked up in the last 15 minutes. This time they left it super, super late with João Felix scoring in the 90th minute and then Ferran Torres rounding off his hat-trick in in injury time. I don't know if you saw the João Felix celebration. It's a brilliant goal, unbelievably cool goal. And the celebration was uh, was like the calma calma Cristiano no. Ronaldo celebration, like calm down, you know, because he he didn't start this game. He'd um he'd come off the bench, and it looks like you know he's not in the starting eleven at the moment. Uh, but yeah, really really tremendous goal, and really important for Barcelona. Who do it again? Like they just keep just about pulling things off and they're teetering on the edge and we're talking about this off the pitch and it's on the pitch as well and off the pitch they're pulling levers and financially just about walking a tightrope and they're doing the same football wise but they're surviving they're they're still in it just about they're still in the title race and this was a a massive result.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Jules which was your favourite goal? Uh, Isco's I think it was his second one was
2: it the second one the finish Uh, which was Amazing. No, the, fir- the first one is the volley, and then oh, the, the first, first one, one. And the keeper comes out. And he's the just, first yeah. one,
0: sorry, the first one was brilliant. And then Joel Felix, which was your favourite one? I mean, Joel Felix was unbelievable, really. It was yeah. effortless as well.
2: I mean, La Liga this weekend was incredible in terms of amazing goals, really. Uh, yes. I, I like the of Felix uh, outside of the right foot, when oh. I think a lot of players would have hit inside of their left foot, obviously, and to, to try to go and bend it like that, at uh, uh, the bottom bottom corner. But he went outside of his right foot. It was just, yeah, I thought it was just amazing. And I don't know what, I don't know, Kitro, what you feel about, it, like, but he obviously had a very good start. And then we thought, okay, this is it. He found finally the right oh. place. Look at how talented he is, great. And then obviously, as too often with him, sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds familiar. You're right. <laughs> he just stops working. I, I, mm. I don't know what happens in his head. And now he's being used as a as an impact player, really off the bench, which has worked in the. In the Super Cup, in the semi final, which worked obviously last night on Sunday. Do you think there's a future for him at Barcelona? Do you think right now he can only be a, a, a super sub or a sub, not even can start because he doesn't work hard enough off the ball, which is clearly what Ferran gives you and what Joel Felix doesn't give you?
0: Jules, that's a really interesting question that you're asking Phil, that because he said there's no way in the world Joel Felix is going to Barcelona. He was like adamant and it wasn't happening, that, and then the, yeah. and then the next day he signed. Go on, Phil. So I just was thought that, he said you did up he there.
2: Say that. A day, did he say that a day where he didn't go to a game as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I mean remember not, that. maybe That's as well. It, yeah, it, it could off. have been. It was a day off, I think. Yes, so. I think so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I tweeted something like this. I don't understand. what I said was I don't understand uh, the Jao Felix move to uh, to Barcelona. Um, I'm not sure where he fits in. I'm not sure the manager wants him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he made me look deeply, deeply silly, um, which I don't need any help to. But he 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 made me look very silly for the first few weeks. But then, kind of went off the boil, um, yeah. and you know, lots of uh, questionable attitude uh, scenarios from him, which is not the first time that we've seen this and um, it feels like he's fighting for a place with Ferran Torres now in this, uh, in this starting 11, because on the right hand side, it's Rafinha who's injured or La who played brilliantly in this yeah. game, by the way, absolutely fantastic La Minha um, And on the left, it's either Jao Felix or, um Ferran Torres or when they got all their midfielders fit it's um it's a four midfield uh, scenario so he he's, he's definitely not first choice he desperately wants to play for Barcelona he desperately wants to stay he definitely doesn't want to go back to Atletico Madrid but at the moment um it's going to be difficult for him to stay there in the summer. Not impossible, and, you know, it, it could well happen, but it's going to be, it's going to be difficult for him to stay.
0: Um, Phil, another one I just want to touch on. We talked about uh, Xavi being under a lot of pressure. This is going to alleviate some of that pressure. However, El Chinguito TV spotted a certain Jose Mourinho at Barcelona Airport arriving. Have we got, Can we read into it? Can we, can we dream? Can we, can we speculate? Is Jose Mourinho possibly going to be the next Barcelona manager?
1: A dream, I don't know. I think it would be a pretty nightmare scenario for me. I think I, I <laughs> really do Yeah, um, I, but that's never happening in a million years. He's probably on holiday. I think he's going to stay in Italy. Talks yep. about him. So All right, so it's yeah, happening, yeah, Jules.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Phil. I don't think it's happening. <laughs> no, yeah, very diplomatic no, no. there, Jules. Well done. Uh, uh, my
0: my sort of, kind of my team that I support in La Liga, uh sacked their manager. Uh, Sergio Gonzalez was sacked. Um, They hadn't won a game in four months. So I I was still surprised, Phil. Is that right? Like, can I still be surprised? Because I think he's so beloved there and did so well last season. And they were in a similar run without a nightmare run. And then he turned it around.
1: Yeah. I mean, I tell you who wasn't surprised that he was sacked is Sergio Gonzalez because he'd said uh, in the pre-match press conference, I hadn't I hadn't expected to still be here uh, because they were <laughs> beaten 4-1 by Valencia the previous week. And I think he felt and everybody felt like he was going to get sacked then, but he wasn't. He was given one extra final chance to um, turn things around and, and, it, and it didn't work. And Cadiz are... Like They're not bottom of the table at the moment, but I think they're the worst team in La Liga at the moment. Um, and they haven't won since the 1st of September, I think. So they're closing in on five months. They have the lowest goals uh, scored in La Liga. They have the lowest XG in La Liga. Their whole game plan seems to be, let's get a throw in near the penalty area and Luis Hernandez will throw a big ball into the box and try and do something there. It's really not... Not working at all. So no, I'm not surprised. But yeah, you're absolutely right. He was beloved. He did great work. He kept them up twice. Um, The first time really didn't look like it was going to happen, but it was quite miraculous. So I think that bought him a lot of time. But these are just numbers that just can't continue. So um, uh, he's gone. And um, let's see, man, because the the trajectory that they're on is uh, really, really quite poor. So uh, we'll see who's the next manager. And um, we'll see if he can get them out of the bottom three.
0: Jules, have you ever written a tweet, right, where you think, right, I'm going to take the mickey out of someone, actually give them a little bit of stick about something that they've been been banging on about all season. For example, all, hashtag always watch Girona. So they kicked off yesterday and I was doing <laughs> some other work with another game and I sent a tweet out, hey, Phil Kittrow, will there be another nil-nil for Girona? You've been saying always watch Girona as they always score goals. Yeah. And big question mark me, you know, thinking about it. Anyway, literally three or four minutes later, oh, probably a bit later, longer than that, 15, 20 minutes later, uh, there were three one up. Girona. <laughs> and I did write, yeah, you're right, Phil. Uh, hat-trick from uh, Artem Dovryk. Um, What a signing. And yes, hashtag always watch Girona. Phil. Yeah. You, yes. you, you're, you're right. Yes, Schwartz. You're yes. right. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, we didn't Listen. hear that, Schwartz. You said that again? We didn't yes, hear? you're right, Phil. Oh. <laughs> I would admit, and I did admit it publicly as well, you were right, Phil. Goodness Kittrow.
1: me. I mean, I, I missed one game five months ago. You're still talking about it. Girona drew nil-nil for the first time in 10 months, and you throw it in my face. <laughs> so obviously, you know, I mean, goodness me. I don't know what I've got to do here to get some credit, Schwartzie. What a game.
0: What a game, what? by the way.
1: Yeah. listen, Girona are the best team in La Liga yeah. I, mean, they, I mean they're literally top of the table they're the top goal scorers but to watch and in terms of out and out fun they're the best team in La Liga by miles and it's really interesting to see how they play as well and, and the sort of the tactical nuance and variations that they have I say variations, almost all their goals seem to come uh, like a very similar way low crosses from wide and somebody is running in to connect with them they've scored more goals from crosses than anyone in La Liga by by some distance there. but it's not like hoof a ball into the big man and he'll try and head it. It's not. It's really, it's crosses that have been elaborated in a way to create goal-scoring opportunities. So, yeah, they're fascinating to watch. Miguel Gutiérrez playing in a kind of role that, like, Destiny Udoji plays as well for, for Spurs. So he's a left-back, but he's not really a left-back when they're attacking because he's really central and high up the pitch. They're They're, they're fascinating and they're exciting and there are All sorts of things that we could talk about, not football-related in terms of Girona, but in terms of the actual football, they're thrilling to watch. I've been saying it for a year now. Always watch them, guys. Always.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it takes a bit more to convince people. Um, Jules, Artem Dovbik, did you see this coming? I mean, you know, he's 26 years old. He scored a hat-trick on the weekend, Mm. six-minute hat-trick. He's got 14 goals and five assists in 20 La Liga games.
2: Yeah no I don't think anybody really expected him to hit those numbers and that level not even himself probably but again we didn't expect Girona to be that good so I think it's it goes it goes with what your team is doing and had Girona be 10th like they were last season for example he probably would be on 5 and 2 instead they're flying they're playing great football that suits him because as Phil just said, they crossed the ball well. He's always, He seemed to always be in the right place at the right time in the box, whether he's, he arrives from it or he's already there. Uh, so that, I think, was perfect. To sign Siegenkopf as well, on to play on the right-hand side and have them kind of together in a, in a new country, different culture, different language, I think was a very smart move too from a club that made some a lot of smart moves. Whether you agree or not on... Multi-Club ownership, City Football Group, all of that, etc., etc. We know it. We, we get it. But you have to recognise that they did their business really, really well. And that's a fact. So, well done to them and to Dovbek. I mean, I, I don't know if... I, I, I don't know where the ceiling is. Can he move to a Real Madrid or Barca, a bigger club and be as as good? Or Man City. Yeah, or Man, yeah, or Man City. Yeah. I'm not sure. Is he working now because nobody expected him, nobody expected his team... All of that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's a one-season wonder or if he has more of that in his locker. We will see, I guess, in the future. But for now, you enjoy watching him because everything he tries and does just usually ends up in a goal or an assist.
1: It's going to be quite interesting, actually, in terms of the La Liga title race, which is you know, between Girona and Real Madrid at the moment. I said Barcelona are just about hanging on, but you know, realistically, it's between these two. Girona are still in the Copa del Rey and Real Madrid aren't and Girona have got a midweek uh, trip to uh, Mallorca to play in the Copa del Rey then they've got to play La Liga at the weekend and Real Madrid do not have a game uh, this week so actually Real Madrid are going to be rested for uh, this uh, this uh, next game that they play in uh, Las Palmas and uh, Girona have got to go to Celta Vigo having played midweek in the Copa del Rey so it's going to be interesting to see how their, how their squad deals with this because you know that's that's success. Mm. If you're a good team, you're pushing for all things. And I think Girona realistically think they can win the Copa del Rey. So I reckon they will uh, play quite a strong team. I've
0: got to mention Christian Stuani. It's his seventh season at Girona. Absolute legend of a player, let's be honest, came on and scored. He scored, what, seven goals this season. I mean, he's a bit part player, he's a substitute, but how big a player has he been for Girona? Because he's been there through the divisions, right? Mm.
1: Uh, he's their top scorer uh, historically. And, uh, you know, no one scored more goals for Girona than Christian Stuani. And he is, uh, like you said, an absolutely legendary fl- figure. And that's why bringing in someone like Dolph was was so important because you can't be relying on 37-year-old uh, Christian Stuani. But it feels like he seems to be quite happy with this uh, um, this role he has at the moment. Um, he's only started five games, but he's played in 20. So he's coming off the bench. His scoring is being decisive. And he's just this kind of... Uh, He's just a Uruguayan striker, basically, I, you know, he's just really physical, aggressive and just tremendously uh, efficient from um, from close range. So, yeah, um, legendary figure. And it would be extraordinary uh, to see to see him in the Champions League, which are <laughs> next season, age 38. Wouldn't have wouldn't have seen that one coming, given his uh, career trajectory. But, yeah, he's a, a legendary figure. And if he gets to double figures this season, which is not um, not uh, impossible, it would be just an incredible achievement.
0: Um, I have to have to quickly mention Osasuna getafe three two to Osasuna. Um, what a goal! I mean, the winning goal from Jesus Arezzo, uh for mm. Osasuna was spectacular. Don't, don't you agree, Phil?
1: Well, it was a cross that went in. So yeah, I mean, uh, if, if you like crosses that go in,
0: then yeah, come it was on, great. Come on, Phil! It was, he did not mean that. It he was spectacular. It. it was. Yeah, it was spectacular. Yeah, it
1: was. It was
2: spectacular. A spectacular miss-hit cross that went in. Don't remember was, the yeah. Roberto Carlos goal for Real Madrid?
1: Yeah.
2: On that left yeah. with the outside of his left foot. Okay. Yeah. Roberto Carlos meant it.
1: Yeah. Arezzo. Jesus Areso has never scored a goal in his life. No, I know. He's, he's, yeah. He's and, not and shooting from there. I don't
2: he? want him to score another goal. I think I want, him, I want this to be his, his only goal ever so yeah. he can like bask in the sunshine yeah. and the glory of that cross that went yeah. in. I give you that. He didn't mean it at all. I still find it incredible that even if he didn't mean it, that the ball can find his way from the, the corner flag to the, the, top, the, the top corner on the other side of the way. That's just it's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If any, of our, if any of our listeners haven't seen it, go and check yeah, it out, type in Jesus Ares or goal, because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it was the winner in a game, and it's his first ever goal as well. So yeah, quite, a, quite an achievement.
0: Jules, no surprising that, um, that Phil's putting a damper on that goal, because look, he's a man, right, who won't wear a Christmas jumper. He's a grouch at Christmas. He, <laughs> he's, like, his little boy is becoming a grouch as well, because his dad is, right? Honestly. Anyway, it's no surprise you didn't like that goal it was a cross man what yeah. do you want me to say leave it just leave it way. let's move on <laughs>
1: just don't ask me to wear a Christmas jumper again
0: man. <laughs> that, that's it next season please anyone would like to see Phil Kittrow wearing a Christmas jumper yeah, me. next Christmas sure. please yeah. put it in the in the comments below uh, of the <laughs> podcast and say we need to see actually maybe we'll do a hashtag Phil yeah. Kitro Kittre- Kittre- in a Christmas jumper yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely let's that's, do it that sounds good Absolutely. Mm. Right. Guys, that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you very much again, Phil, as always, and Jules. It's been great having you guys on the show.
1: Pleasure, my friend. Not wearing a Christmas jumper ever. Love you.
0: (laughs) Watch this space. Uh, Remember, you can watch every game of the Premier League, La Liga, and the WSL live and exclusive on Optus Sport. See you next time.